0: Hello and welcome to Doctomy. My name is Heather
1: and I'm Kathleen
0: and this week we are covering season two of Wild Crime Murder in Yosemite on Hulu. Before we get into that you can follow us on Twitter and or join our Facebook group. Info for that can be found in the show notes. If you would like to email us comments or suggestions or donate to us at PayPal our email address is doctomypod at gmail.com. We appreciate any help, whether it's a way we can make this podcast better or just a dollar.
1: We look for recommendations yeah. anytime, time. So
0: please tell us what to watch. So we're not watching stuff that nobody cares to watch. <sighs> we fix it. Because <laughs> it takes hours and hours for me to do this. We covered season one of Wild Crime last October, Murder in the Rocky Mountains, and that was episode 21 for us. Oh, wow. We're like in the 60s at this point. And I really enjoyed that one, so I was excited to see they made a second season. It's nice to have a reminder once a year on why we should fear the woods. um, Always.
1: And not <laughs> just even like just boats. because of the creatures in them. You don't
0: go in the woods, you don't go on boats. Just like with the first season, this one can be found on Hulu. If you're outside of the U.S., it might be on Disney+. Plus. Oh, I weird. I think I saw somewhere. Yeah. Well, because it's an ABC show, which is owned by Disney. Yeah that makes sense Everything's disney owned by, yeah it's pretty yeah next sentence it's produced by abc which is owned by disney so it'll be on one of those apps i'm sure you can figure it out or just listen to us
1: we'll tell you we'll
0: save you like you need three hours
1: we watch them so you don't have to
0: <laughs> the first season featured rocky mountain national park and this one is yosemite so i wonder what the next season will be about there's so many national parks there really are There's only 61 more to cover, so.
1: (laughs) Wouldn't it be incredible if they had 63 seasons? Oh my god, I'd love it.
0: Cover every season.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. I can't believe it's been a whole year between them.
0: (laughs) I know. Let's talk a little bit about Yosemite National Park. She a big ol' bitch.
1: And there's a lot of crime there, too.
0: It is 759,620 acres, which is roughly the same size as the state of Rhode Island. Holy shit! (laughs) big. And shocker, we stole that land from the Native Americans. What, didn't we? (laughs) The word Yosemite came from the name the Miwok gave to the Awanichi people who were an indigenous tribe driven out of the Yosemite Valley area. A common misconception is that Yosemite means grizzly bear, which I remember always hearing, but it actually means killer.
1: Do they not mean the same thing? I mean, mean,
0: yeah, really, but 70 years before the gold rush, the indigenous population was estimated to be 300,000. And once that gold rush hit, the population dropped to 150,000 and 10 years after that about 50,000. Whoever was left was forced to relocate to a village constructed by the state in 1851, Except they had to relocate several times after the villages were destroyed in 1906, 1929, and
1: 1969. God, could you imagine like, you had to keep moving? Yeah. What a pain in the ass. I hate moving.
0: Just because of the color of your skin. <laughs> 1969, the National Park Service evicted the remaining people from their residences and then destroyed the village as part of a firefighting exercise.
1: Oh, fun. Just burn down my village. Totally cool.
0: We fucking suck. We really do. 1864, President Lincoln signed the Yosemite Grant, which declared the area as federally preserved land. But it wasn't until 1890 when Congress established it as a national park, which of course led to the national park system. In 2021, Yosemite was the 21st most visited national park in the U.S. with 3.3 million people. It's it's a very popular area. Have you ever been? I have not. I, I would either. love to go.
1: Uh, mm, you sure about that? Well, I mean, I would love to go, <laughs> but also like I said, it's full of crime. A lot of people die there.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I like to look at the missing person in the national parks.
1: Yes. Man, it's crazy. Yeah, I would I would literally never go hiking alone. It's a lot of ever. old people.
0: Like, why are you
1: out hiking? You should be home knitting. God. Just
0: stay home. Now into our story. June 28th, 1983, Tom Day grew up visiting national parks, and so when he became an adult and had a family, he wanted his kids to experience that as well. What an asshole dad. They stop off at Summit Meadow to let the kids just kind of run free. However, don't do that now because I checked on the National Park Service website, and the only regulation they have for Summit Meadow is to stay out of the meadow. <laughs> It was the 80s. Anyway, Tom is walking with his friend's son when they stumble upon two bones. The kid, of course, starts poking around at the bones. As <laughs> most kids do. And that's when they spot the hand. Ugh. <laughs> Our first interviewee is a park ranger named Don, oh my gosh, Colo. I thought he said koala at first. <laughs> I've only... I think it was Coelho again I watched this a month ago uh he at first thought the family probably just came upon a bear paw which how fucking stupid are the people that he normally deals with
1: well I actually saw somewhere that it's pretty common for human hands and bear paws to be like, mixed up or whatever like I looked at
0: pictures and it's like it kind of has the same shape as a human hand but then this part is much longer and I mean it is bigger yeah, I mean, with, I would imagine that it's not. I don't think the qualified Shaq people. came out here and died, and it's his giant hand. You never know, man. There are <laughs> I think we of- would know if Shaq went missing. <laughs> <laughs> there, Let alone in a national there park. There are a
1: lot of tall people in the world.
0: <laughs> so he shows up and looks at it, and right away identifies it as a human hand attached to a forearm. forearm a human arm, not a bear arm. Investigating this with Don is Kim Tucker, who is a National Park Service criminal investigator. Did he know because it wasn't furry enough? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they find a band-aid, ne- band-aid next to the hand and take note that this arm has clearly been here for some time because it's gone through a freezing and a thawing. Ugh. I don't know how you would know that. Maybe and it had
1: like frostbite? I don't know. Gotta hate when food gets freezer burn, You
0: know burn. We're not... National Park Service criminal investigators, so they were
1: only briefly.
0: (laughs) And then we're told about all the horrific things that can happen in a national park because you're in the fucking wilderness. You could fall off a cliff, roll into a crevice or creek, or just straight up get attacked by bears or wolves.
1: Did you see that story where the people were taking pictures while they were on a hike, and they just happened to get a picture of a girl who had fallen, and they just saw
0: her hair? And she got rescued because of it? No, I just heard, I think, this morning about some lady who froze to death at a national park. Jesus. (laughs) No, thank you. Or you could just get straight up raped and beaten on a path. Andrew says I need to get out of the house more, and these guys are just not really winning me over with that.
1: No. I feel like nowhere is safe these days.
0: So now they want to try and find the rest of this body, but all they really find are animal bones. July 7th, 1983, an anthropologist is looking over the remains and concludes that the victim was a 110 pound female, at least 25 years old. And there's still some skin attached, so they couldn't have been out there for like more than a year or two. And you can't do DNA testing because that didn't exist in 83.
1: It was the 80s. (laughs)
0: None of the local missing persons report match, so they just have to get on phones and call around to different areas. are
1: like, hey, you got a missing woman? Uh, how old is she? Yeah? How about how big is she?
0: <laughs> Which is when you run into another problem, because California in the 70s and 80s was just chock full of serial killers. Yeah,
1: and like so many like hippies and transients and like... And so
0: I'm sure the list of missing women was just a long one. The number for...
1: of cults alone! <laughs>
0: somebody colds also in 1983 one-eyed dumb fuck Henry Lee Lucas was arrested so by the next May in 1984 he's in full confession mode I think our next one will probably cover the confession killer yes <laughs> it's a long one though it's yeah it is so long I had some time between so I watched it twice well I got sucked into manifest <laughs> which was a nightmare why would you mention it I needed someone else to suffer alongside me. (laughs) Like, I thought Riverdale was bad. This show is so bad. Oh, it is terrible. (laughs) It's like a train wreck. (laughs) The Texas Ranger that they interview in this, Phil Ryan, is also in the Confession Killer. He also served as a consultant on Walker, Texas Ranger. Cool fact. Don't you love this background info? Yes. To sum it up, Lucas was a drifter that confessed to hundreds and hundreds of murders all over the United States. I think even in other countries.
1: Yeah, he tried to tell the Japanese. He did it he and they were like, okay, well, how did you get to Japan? Oh, I a drove. Trof-
0: <laughs>
1: he is dumb as a bag of rocks.
0: So yeah, he, he just does this so he can get special treatment when in reality, he only has three confirmed victims. He's a dumb fuck. Still, he's confessed to murdering a woman in mountainous California National Park, so he becomes their first suspect. In fairness, he would have been in California around the time they suspect that the body would have been there, but at the very least, he could have dumped it there. But also, he lies, and California is huge.
1: Yeah. Just so much (laughs) area to cover. Like, I just... uh...
0: And where they placed him in California was, like, six hours away, they said?
1: <laughs> Which is not, like, an easy feat. like
0: Especially not with a car back in the
1: 80s. No. And he's not
0: paying for all his gas and shit. <laughs> anyway, the rest of the first episode discusses Lucas and his history, but I don't really want to go into that because we'll cover it all in the Confession Killer. If you really want to learn about him, Last Podcast on the has a series. To sum it up, I don't think he's a really good suspect, but to be fair, that is with hindsight. Right.
1: <laughs> I would agree with that. I don't think, I think that he maybe had some not, like, he knew things, but I think that's because maybe he was told things. Yes.
0: And not, like, purposely told things. But. Right. But just, you know, m- casual mentioning. Um, I will say with these episodes, skip the first 30 seconds because they give a preview of what the episode's going to be about. I hate that shit. Like, I'm watching episode two, so clearly I'm interested. Why? Why do you need to spoil it?
1: Yeah don't don't tell me what it's all about.
0: Just... Episode two, still discussing Henry Lee Lucas. Yay. Yeah, it's it's a lot about him. <laughs> that just tells me they didn't have enough to pad four episodes, so they're really focusing on this asshole. Which is
1: crazy because when you think about it, like there really were a lot of potential suspects.
0: Yeah. August 1984, California has a bunch of cases. They are itching to tie and Reed Lee Lucas, too, so they fly him over. The dude got a free two-week trip to California.
1: And all those milkshakes and cigarettes.
0: <laughs> Except they don't bring him to Yosemite, <laughs> so Don and Kim have to meet up with him to see if he's responsible for the Summit Meadow case. Because so many departments want to talk to this guy, they're only given an hour to do so. They're literally
1: like literally scheduling appointments with him like he's like some kind of world famous doctor.
0: Don described Lucas as looking like a normal 40 year old guy. Are we talking about the same guy? (laughs)
1: He looked so bad. Not to mention that everyone said that he smelled horrible because he never had basic hygiene.
0: Didn't brush his fucking teeth. Just just pause the podcast. Stop whatever you're doing and look a picture. Look at a picture of this guy if you have no idea what he looks like. He is not a normal looking guy. No, he looks seedy as fuck. <laughs> he looks like a hitchhiker killer. <laughs> so, shocker, he confesses to the crime. He says he picked up a female hitchhiker near the park, looked to be about 17 or 18, and she willingly had sex with him in the park.
1: Which Again, is look at a so picture of this guy. Unbelievable in my mind. <laughs> like, I don't care who you are you're not fucking Henry <laughs> Lucas
0: when they're done he manually strangles her <laughs> <laughs> just whatever and then carries her body to some brush and just leaves he insists it was Yosemite even though he didn't pronounce it correctly like yeah, no, at he, all Yosem-the-the he did it good enough
1: the man is pretty fucking stupid
0: Like, I think he lost his eye because his mom beat him, and then when the eye was starting to heal, like, a teacher threw a pencil or something at another kid, and it somehow hit his eye, and that's how he
1: lost the eye? It was was such a dumb... I thought he was playing with a knife with his brother.
0: I don't remember what it... But it was just so stupid.
1: I thought they said, like, he... As a child, he lost it, like... something just goofing around with a knife or whatever
0: he didn't have a good family life (laughs) no he really didn't we'll get into that (laughs) they're not in a huge rush to charge him with the murder because one they don't want to destroy visitor numbers by saying a serial killer was operating in the national park
1: yeah i mean that would definitely be a down
0: (laughs) and two they just don't have enough to say definitively that yes he did commit this crime
1: right there's like no real strong evidence they actually
0: have no proof this was even a murder
1: no literally like (laughs) could have just been like someone that died in an accident Uh, October
0: 1984 Don and Kim decide to go to Texas to interview Lucas again he draws them a very and I can't stress enough very generic map of where the crime had occurred and now adds to his original story
1: a little tidbit (laughs) little things that he happened to see that
0: map was just like a line and kind of curve. i was like how are you supposed to
1: (laughs) unless it was like a straight path like you're pretty much like dead on
0: yeah now they had stopped at summit meadow to have lunch which consisted of fried chicken and several beers and then had sex maybe because i'm in my mid-30s but sex after beer and fried chicken just sounds like the absolute worst idea
1: to mention like I am 99% sure those were warm beers oh yeah and cold fried (laughs) chicken gag
0: he then wants to leave but she doesn't so he strangles her
1: (laughs) just like I can't leave you here alive so I mean I guess if you would really like this place and you want to stay like I'll kill you
0: he also mentions that he left trash and her jacket at the scene and all he remembers about the area was there were signs with numbers in the trees don and kim realize that what he's describing are nordic ski signs don says it so matter-of-factly like we're all supposed to know what the fuck that is i looked it up i could not find based on that description <laughs> weird i mean I it was assumed like for to- a ski shop or some some etsy store it was
1: I, I just assume that they were, I don't know, almost like mile markers for like Yeah, but paths, if you look that up. And they're high in the trees, so when it snows, they're still visible. I don't fucking know.
0: <laughs> I've never been skiing. No. So this is their proof that he's been to the crime scene. They go to where they think the crime occurred based on that extremely generic map he drew, and they spot one of those signs on a tree. They walk another 40 yards and find the trash he described and pieces of a jacket. So it's believed he is the killer... And I want to believe too, because they found all the things he described after they talked to him, but he's just such a well-known liar. The day after they find all this evidence, Kim is taken off the case and it wasn't some conspiracy thing where they didn't want this case solved. It was literally over fucking money because they didn't want to have to pay park rangers more for being investigators. Exactly. (laughs) We pay you to be out there writing tickets for littering, not solving murders. Within a year, Don also leaves to join the Department of Fish and Wildlife, so the Summit Meadow case basically goes cold. Hugh Ainsworth was a journalist for the Dallas Time Heralds in the early 80s, and along with his coworker Jim Henderson, they begin to look into Henry Lee Lucas cases. Check out Hugh Ainsworth's... ain't His fucking name. Ainsworth. Check out Hugh Ainsworth's Wikipedia page. He has the most interesting journalist career I have ever read. He's claimed to have seen the Kennedy assassination, the capture, arrest, and murder of Lee Harvey Oswald. He helped interview Ted Bundy and co-wrote two books about that and covered the Waco siege.
1: (laughs) He's not bad looking either. I mean, honestly.
0: He is still alive at 91 and apparently still living in Dallas. That's insane.
1: That is impressive.
0: Would absolutely love to have a chat with him. So I know I get distracted looking at all these other.
1: <laughs> no, he was definitely, he He seemed very interesting in the documentary. So.
0: Hugh was very suspicious about Lucas's claim of having committed hundreds of murders all over the country. It is very suspicious to claim you killed someone and then the next day murdered someone else over 1700 miles away.
1: I'm too lazy give for that, that shit. Yeah. Ain't nobody got Again, time for that.
0: Cars in the 70s and 80s. <laughs>
1: highways in the 70s and 80s
0: i think the most glaring one we know of is Deborah jackson she was murdered 30 miles north at austin and he claimed he did it even though there was proof he was in florida at the time so
1: i like how the police are just like well that may have just been when we found the body doesn't necessarily mean when he killed her (laughs) it's like okay honey whatever helps you sleep better
0: and i think we've talked about that cop before he was the one who framed that other guy yes even though the kid was like, no, it wasn't my dad. <laughs> so you can understand why I would be dubious about him taking credit for the Summit Meadow case. And it doesn't help Don and Kim's case when he also confessed to murders in Yosemite that just didn't exist. Right, they like, <laughs> we don't have any of these bodies. And I just don't think finding a jacket, empty beer cans, and remnants of foil left in a park, all that suspicious.
1: No, I feel like those are things that it's a given you might find.
0: There are, unfortunately, plenty of asshole litterers. Fuck those people. I literally broke up with a dude because he littered.
1: <laughs> I have raised my kids to look down upon people who throw trash out their cars.
0: <laughs> so. so, regardless, soon after confessing these hundreds of murders, he recants all of them. Now the focus of the case moves to identifying the victim, and there's renewed hope for that when on May 26, 1988, a couple of fighters hikers it has been so long a couple of hikers find a skull and where the skull is found wasn't anywhere where they had been previously searching could not find the exact distance between the two just that they were on different sides of the same road oh weird why would you not
1: (laughs) check Uh, on the other
0: side of the road how there's animals
1: yeah this road animals can...
0: no it's just like a road exactly. like when you're driving into a park
1: <laughs> exactly and you just search it's around a five the lane highway yeah that's what i'm saying
0: the oh and it's not a full skull either the jaw is missing but it is enough to be able to try facial reconstruction facial reconstruction back then was creepy as fuck it's just clay with some glassy doll eyes added <laughs> <laughs> i don't like looking at them and again the case goes back on the shelf until nineteen ninety nine when we learn about another serial killer in the area. And it's somebody we discussed in episode forty six, Captive Audience Part two, Carrie Stainer. He murdered Carol's son, her daughter Julie, Julie's friend, Sylvina Peloso, and Yosemite Institute employee Joey Armstrong. And our episode forty five covers Carrie's brother Steven's ordeal of being kidnapped by a pedophile in eventual escape. So if you haven't already, check those out. It's an incredible story.
1: Yeah, I I was amazed at how many things tied into this one season.
0: I think at the time, Carrie would have been living in Merced, which would have been an hour and a half, two hour drive.
1: Right, It's, it's pretty close. Like, they definitely have a big play on each other.
0: But that was how big Yosemite is, that he was like working at Yosemite or alright no he was at that hotel that was right outside Yosemite and that was still like an hour and a half two hours from where this crime occurred crime quotations we don't know (laughs) for sure he would have been in his early 20s and would later go on to commit murders near and in Yosemite so just as likely as Lucas
1: I yeah that's my whole thing is like the fact that he started killing so late
0: but we don't know because there was that weird thing where his uncle was murdered and that one was unsolved
1: yeah i mean i just i feel like there could be more killings attributed to him
0: in 2003 i guess the federal government came around to the idea of hey maybe we do need to spend the money to have these investigators again in the national parks yeah because you know there's a lot of crime like no shit dude just fyi the national park service reported 297 million visitors last year. You have to assume there's at least one major crime to investigate during that time. In 2009, they confirmed through DNA that the hand, arm, and skull are from the same person, but there's nothing in the system that matches the DNA. So the new agent of the investigative services branch that takes over the case in 2017 is named Colin Tucker. The last name sound familiar. It's the original K- investigator Kim's son. Which uh, I adorable.
1: was like, yeah, I was like, that's so
0: cute. And he is very familiar with this case because he's grown up hearing his mom talk about it for like 30 years. The case is older than him.
1: Exactly. The It's, it's like a family <laughs> legacy.
0: <laughs> the Clay School Reconstruction obviously hasn't worked in identifying the victim. However, now we have much better technology for that. They scan the skull and send it in for digital reconstruction, which does make it look more human and
1: less terrifying,
0: but yet again, another standstill until the Golden State killer is arrested. This introduces Cullen to get in touch with Parabon, who specializes in DNA phenotyping, which helps predicting a person's physical appearance and also genetic genealogy, which is basically tracking someone through their family's DNA, the family tree. That's the one they used to catch the Golden State Killer.
1: Which is amazing. It's how they used
0: to like basically catch any cold cases now. Yeah. It's insane. It's like
1: the best technology these days.
0: So for years, the victim was suspected to be Hispanic. Don't know why they really...
1: (laughs) Yeah, just based on like a hand.
0: (laughs) And it turns out through the phenotyping that nope, it's someone from European descent. Fair complexion with blue eyes and blonde hair. (laughs) Very far from being Hispanic. But now we finally have an accurate face for this woman. And then they move on to genetic genealogy where we are introduced to Cece Moore. I say introduced, but at this point, like, I could pick her face out of a lineup. She is the genetic genealogist. She's everywhere.
1: Yeah, she's pretty famous.
0: Cece uses the GEDmatch database. Are you on that? I know I am.
1: I actually haven't done my... DNA testing.
0: I have a grandfather that I'm shocked I haven't been contacted for missing or murdered women. He just wasn't a good dude. Oh, no. And he was on uh, trains a lot.
1: (laughs) I want to. I should. I should probably ask for that for Christmas, just so that I can (laughs) get it over with. I've been putting it off. I gave one to Jason for Christmas, but that you know, he has...
0: Do I need to bleep his name? I keep bleeping his name just because he hasn't, like... Oh, I don't think
1: he cares. Okay. okay.
0: I'd yeah. say his name because he's been on here. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. I, I don't think he cares. It's, okay. Yeah, and he has the most generic white boy name. Like, <laughs> every boy in the 80s was named Jason <laughs> or Michael or David.
0: Yeah. Chris. <laughs> How did you forget Chris?
1: Yes, that too. Chris <laughs>
0: Christopher. But then I hear Soprano. Christopher. Christopher.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I got one for Jason. But he definitely has more of family offshoots and stuff than I do. Mine are just all like, well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I do have secret relatives I don't know about.
0: (gasps) I didn't. I was kind of boring. Yeah. But I mean, I know (laughs)
1: that he has, you know, secret siblings. Well, not secret, but, you know.
0: Secret siblings. You have to say it like that. (laughs) Secret. What is it? Stepbrother? <laughs> no, stepbrother. <laughs> no. <laughs> Cece uses the GEDmatch database, which is a website where people can volunteer to upload their DNA information for law enforcement usage, and finds three familial matches to the Summit Meadow victim. Unfortunately, they're so distanced to her that Cece has to build a family tree dating back to the early 1700s. Which is just
1: insane. She's basically just building these people's like family trees.
0: Just to find a close enough relation to be able to match it. She finally narrows it down to a couple that not only has a daughter, but has a daughter that hasn't had any sort of record since
1: 1983.
0: Oh, that'll be it. She finds a high school yearbook photo of the daughter, and it matches the phenotype facial reconstruction. January 4th, 2021, which is insane. (laughs) Was not that long ago. Cullen comes back into work after the holiday break to an email with the name of the victim. Finally, after 37 years, they have a name. 29-year-old Patricia Hicks Dahlstrom. Episode 4 starts with us learning more about Patty Dalstrom and her life. At this point, she only has a surviving sister and nieces and nephews. Cullen starts getting on the phone and calling the family members. And the frustration Cullen must have gone through... When no one answers or responds to his voicemails.
1: Yeah. Nobody... It was just
0: like wall after wall. Yeah,
1: no, nobody wants to talk.
0: And finally, he is able to get in contact with someone who recognizes Patty as her aunt, who has been missing for almost 40 years.
1: Which this is <laughs> mind-blowing. Like, that is so long.
0: Uh, April of that year, he's finally able to sit down with the family and break the news to them about her death. And then the family drops a serious bomb on Colin... Patty had ran away to California to join a cult.
1: As one does. (laughs) Who doesn't move to California and join a cult?
0: The last contact her sister has with her is September 1982. They interviewed two of her friends that she had grown up, and we learned that she didn't have the best home life.
1: Can we talk about how many times that man says cute?
0: (laughs) Yes. It's not a cute word for you, my friend. (laughs) Like, he either has a ton of daughters or a ton of granddaughters. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Her dad was an alcoholic and her mom was overprotective. I'm not sure what they were insinuating. She had a sister who didn't want to be in this, which I can understand. And a brother named Ed who died when Patty was in high school. She was very affected by his death. She then just kind of drowned herself in religious texts. And soon after graduating high school, she got married. don't don't do that
1: yeah sounds sounds about
0: right (laughs) after a few years they got divorced so she really just seemed to be lost in her life and that's when she joined up with the cult group led by donald gibson colin gets in contact with other members of the cult who are terrified to talk to colin about donald gibson and it is hard to find any information about this guy because there's also a musician with the same exact name (laughs) that's helpful
1: And also the fact that he is just in the wind. Nobody knows where he is.
0: He tried to pass it off as an Eastern religious group, like they always do. But of course, all the members handed their checks over to him and were put into arranged marriages. No fun. There were sex rituals and of course selling drugs to kids who Donald then sexually assaulted. So safe to say he's a huge piece of shit. Yeah,
1: it's just like out there selling LSD and shit, just like
0: to children Uh, Donald's excuse was he needed to take their seed for religious purposes which is
1: the most horrifying excuse I've ever heard
0: if that's the case then I guess I'm super religious (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) I had some fun times in my 20s (laughs) (laughs) Right, it's horrible Um, can we just maybe I don't know not rape children And
1: take their (laughs) seed.
0: Just not rape children. (laughs) December 19th, 1980, the police raid the cult members' houses. They're doing this to arrest Donald. Trying to arrest him, you know, because of the drugs and the rape. October 2nd, 1981, Donald is found guilty of two counts of oral copulation of a minor and two counts of sodomy of a minor. And then he's released on bail while they wait for sentencing. Which, like, what? You raped children. (laughs) You don't get bail. So, of course, he goes on the run and has never been found to this day.
1: Yeah, literally, like, just, you know, got away with it.
0: And Carrie Stainer was there during his trial because their families were friends? Uh, this whole case. How does
1: that... I was just like, ev- like, this woman had the worst luck. Just like everyone was connected.
0: All these scumbags that she just went through life. So now the theory is Patty would have been there as a witness, so Carrie would have known who she is from that. But yeah, that's all we really learn about this cult. And there is like nothing to find about this cult.
1: Right, but also the cult leader could have killed her just because he needed to silence her or something. I and don't Carrie know. remembers
0: her from this. Right, and he
1: could know her just from the association. It's <laughs> like there's so many potential.
0: That one I think is a stretch i agree even though we spent way too long on henry lou lucas the whole cult thing was like 20 minute thing <laughs> if i know that. it was just so crazy
1: <laughs> it was a huge part of everything and what the fuck
0: <laughs> so with donald gone patty has no reason left to stay in merced so she heads off towards yosemite and that's where the case sits today and realistically We don't even know if she was murdered.
1: No. And I know that they were saying that they were testing for DNA on the beer cans, but I hadn't seen anything come back on that. Yeah. So I'm just like, what the fuck, All they have is part of her skull.
0: Part of her skull and a hand attached to a forearm. For all we know, it could have been a bear attack. (laughs) And then trash that just happened to be in the area, which, I mean.
1: mean, Maybe the bear brought it with him.
0: (laughs) That's a cool bear.
1: (laughs) Couple beers
0: but at least she has her name back. Yes, they are testing for DNA on those bear cans.
1: Bears cans.
0: (laughs) The beer cans left at the scene, so I'm sure we'll never hear about that update. And that is the end of our documentary this week. It's crazy. It is pretty wild. (sighs) So, yeah, I guess whenever we get to it, next time we'll be the confession killer. As long as nobody else gets sick. Because here's the thing. We don't make money on this. So if one of us are sick or one of our kids are sick, obviously that takes priority.
1: <laughs> yeah. We don't really like spreading germs. No. Because I know it sucks when my kid's sick. I don't want to like put that bad Because that's on the you. shit is that
0: my kids get sick and then it just keeps going back and forth. Yeah. It's... Until one of us loses our minds and kills our family. But you know. That day hasn't come yet. <laughs> Not yet. But Christmas is getting crazy. <laughs> mommy's losing her mind i'm not gonna hurt my kids cat's not gonna hurt her kids it's a joke
1: they're safe for now
0: i like tv too much to go to prison is that a thing
1: i have performance <laughs> anxiety so i would never be able to like use the bathroom or shower <laughs> around others so that's my motivation to stay out of prison <laughs> although i do think about how jacked i would get like, i would be so in shape if I had time, where I just all I did was like because um, that's
0: the thing, all you have is time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have that. Mommy, mommy, mommy,
1: mommy, shitty food. I'd be working out all the time.
0: I would just sleep. Yeah. Catch up on all those years of missed sleep.
1: That would be pretty nice. Okay, you know what? Honestly, prison's not. Oh my so god, bad we right could now. just
0: read books.
1: <laughs> Silence. Have like a strict bedtime. <laughs> I don't have to. Okay, all right. right, snap out of it.
0: <laughs> back to reality. <laughs> we'll be back. Hopefully. For sure. Thank you for listening. Eventually, yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to me The opening music is by Twisterium. For comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at DoctomyPod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at DoctomyPod and find a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. Thank you.